0: Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Good morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Once again, Matthew chapter 6, where we'll be in verse 13 in just a few moments. My name is Matt Boyd and I'm the lead pastor here at Sojourn Church. If I haven't had the opportunity or chance to meet you previously, and if you are new with us, we are in the middle of a series called Kingdom Manifesto. Uh, We actually started this series way back in October, and then we took a break during Advent in December, and then we picked it back up. And then the last uh, seven weeks, we've been a series within a series uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer is uh, the most famous prayer of all time. It's in the middle of the most famous sermon of all time preached by Jesus himself. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is obviously teaching us, his followers, his disciples, how it is that we are to pray. He's not just giving us some cool sounding theological terms. He is actually teaching us how it is That we are to implement the things that he is showing us week in and week out, and in regards to the last seven weeks, how it is that we are to intercede and how it is that we are to seek our Father in heaven. He wants us to actually live this out. He wants this prayer to inform how it is that we pray. Uh, Not so much that you pray these exact words, but how it is that we are to pray, the order of how we pray. And so, hopefully, you've learned a lot over the last seven weeks. I know that I have. I know that I've written it out and journaled it out, and it's really helped uh, the way that I pray and informed the way that I pray, really where I think more through the words that I'm actually using rather than just jumping in, into a list of asking God for things of my wants and my desires. And Jesus wants us to live this out in our lives. And so this morning, we've come to the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna pick up in verse 13 where Jesus is gonna address temptations. Now, this is a really simple message today. It should be really simple to follow, simple to understand, but this is one of those things I think very few of us, if really any of us this morning, are actually praying this way and living this prayer in verse 13 out. And so as we start this morning, let me read for us in its entirety one more time. prayer, And then we'll kind of laser focus in on verse 13. Read with me in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so here we are this last week in the Lord's Prayer, verse 13. Let me read it for us again. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now this is the fifth, or, or sorry, this is the final the sixth petition in the Lord's Prayer, and it's addressing the disciples' battle with sin and evil. It says, lead us not into temptation, meaning that most likely it carries this sense of allow us to be spared as your followers from the difficulties of the temptation to sin those wants and desires that our flesh still seeks after, even after we are in Christ. And so if you're a new Christian or maybe you're not a Christian yet, just so you know, those temptations will stick with you. In fact, they will get even harder once you are in Christ. And so during our time this morning, during this simple message, I want us to answer three questions. If you're taking notes, here they are. First, what is it that Jesus is telling us to pray in verse 13? Second, why does he want us to pray this prayer? Third, what happens when we pray this prayer and God doesn't answer this prayer? So let's go ahead and pick right up in in the first question. What is it that Jesus is telling us to pray? Look back at the first part of verse 13. It says, lead us not into temptation. Now the phrasing here can kind of be confusing because the way that you just read it, it makes it sound like God is the one who is the one who leads us into temptation. So it's almost like you're saying, God, please don't lead me into the path down the road of temptation. But God never directly tempts Christ followers. He never directly tempts believers. Now he does sometimes allow us to get into situations so that we are tested, but he himself does not tempt us. How do we know that? If you remember back to our series in James, which I think was last spring at this point. And so it feels like it was four years ago, but reality is it was maybe less than a year ago, but James 1, 13 it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And so we know that God does not tempt us. And so that's, that can't mean, when it says lead us not in temptation, it can't mean God don't lead us down the path of temptation. And so it's clear that God is not the one doing the tempting. And so if God isn't ever the source of temptation, that leads us to the question if God's not the source of temptation, then what are some sources of temptation? Let's look to other areas of Scripture to answer that question. In the book of Matthew, just a couple of chapters before we are right now, Matthew 4.1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This verse, Satan, is a source of temptation. Look at Ephesians 6.12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. According to this verse, demons are a source of temptation. And then finally, back in James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. According to this verse, our own desires, your desires are a source of temptation so the source of your temptation is not God. The source of your temptation is Satan, demons, and your own desires. Now, the temptations in our life are often subtle lies. But here's what happens to these subtle lies. They become like hooks in your heart that lure you away. Think about a a fish. You throw out a fake worm. It sees that worm and it takes it. And then you pull on the line and the the fish gets hooked. That's kind of how temptations are. Temptations are this this lure of this thing that comes out, and a lot of times our own desires want that. and We desire that we we go after it, but it's like we get hooked by it. And it's these subtle little lies in our lives, and they will just hook us. And sin will take us to places that we never thought we would go. And so the way that temptations work, and the way the lure of the of the subtle lies, when you get hooked, it's like you get to sin. It's like if you can get the uh, area of sin in one area, then all of a sudden it opens all these other areas. I've seen this a lot in our city where it's like, well, if you can compromise in this one area. Of, of truth and give in, and then it opens another whole plethora of areas that you're susceptible to. It's, it's like if you can get someone to compromise on one area of God's word, and we're seeing this time and time again with our generation, that if we can just take out some of these words and twist these words and kind of do hermeneutical gymnastics, then it kind of opens up the whole Bible. If we can change the definition of this one area, then why can't we change all of the Bible? And so we see this a lot with millennials that are deconstructing their faith. Now, don't mishear me. Not all deconstruction is bad. Some deconstruction is good. Um, Pastor here, Homer, said this. He said, there's a good type of deconstruction, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. He said, Jesus used scripture to critique the world's corruption of the church. So that's a good kind of deconstruction. All of us should be using scripture to, to deconstruct the corruption that we find even in the church today in the United States. But there's another type of deconstruction. He says, that of Western millennials who use the world to critique scripture's authority over the church, the former is the way of Jesus. So we see that time and time again. If you remember back to our series in James, it's funny how there's a lot of correlation here with this one verse in the Lord's Prayer. He actually tells us that the trials and hardships, which often come through temptations, that they will inevitably come to the life of the believer, that there's something that we should celebrate. It's something we should count it. It says, count it all joy when trials Come, for they are strengthened by them. And so we are actually strengthened by these trials. So it's not that we should seek the temptations. God doesn't send the temptations, but when they come, know that you can count it all joy that you're facing those temptations because they are strengthening you and causing you to look to your Father in heaven. Now, does this mean that we should be pr- praying to be brought into such situations? God, please tempt me. No, it doesn't mean that, but it says that we should be praying to be delivered from the temptations. And so that believers should pray to be delivered from the temptation and led into paths of righteousness. And so you kind of think you get to this this crossroads and you can go towards the area of sin and destruction or you can go towards the area of path of righteousness. And so in that moment you're praying that God, deliver me from the path of destruction and sin and evil and deliver me to this path of righteousness. Perhaps a better way to think about this first part of this prayer is essentially here's what you're praying when you pray this, okay? You're praying, Lord, Please allow me to be spared from the difficult circumstances that would tempt me to sin in the first place. And so how do you do this? You do this by simply asking for God's protection, that God would protect you from getting into the situation. Think of it like this, praying a prayer like this, lead me not into temptation, but delivers from evil. This is like praying a prayer of preventative medicine. Here's what I mean by that. We are still in COVID-19. It's hard to believe that for almost a year I've had to mention COVID-19. It feels like in every single sermon. But many of you are like my wife, Andrea. Andrea is someone who does preventative medicine. What I mean by that, she doesn't want to get COVID, just just like you don't want to get COVID. So what she's doing is she's taking like 12 different vitamins and taking elderberry syrup and all these things out of these like syringe-looking things. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm taking my vitamins. I'm like, "What, what for to prevent getting COVID? And so it's preventative medicine, just like this is preventative prayer. And so this is what this prayer is like. It's like a prayer that you pray on the front end of temptation, not after you've been tempted, not in the middle of the temptation, not after you've given in and sinned, but a prayer that you pray on the front end before you're ever even tempted in areas that you know that you're going to be tempted, that God would prevent it from happening. And you do that to avoid walking through sin in the first place. Now, many of us do the opposite of Andrea. I fall into this camp when it comes to things like COVID or just the regular flu. I'm not taking preventative uh, vitamins. I'm not doing anything out of the norm to prevent getting COVID. I don't want to get COVID, so don't mishear me. But here's what happens to a person like me. If I were to get sick, if I were to get COVID, which I'm not fearful of, by the way, but if that were to happen in my life, then all of a sudden I'm like, give me all the medicines, give me everything that I need, give me the syringes of liquid and, and keep me hydrated because now I'm trying to get over this sickness. And this is exact opposite of preventative medicine. And it's the same way with temptations and sin. Many of us, instead of praying this on the front end to prevent us from being tempted to sin, we wait till we've already been tempted. We wait till we've given into the temptation. We wait till we've crossed the line. We've sinned. Now we feel guilt and shame. And then we pray, God, please help me. Please help me that I found myself in this situation. But the way that this prayer is actually set up is that you're praying this on the front end. And so you know yourself well enough to know what areas you are tempted in. And so what this is instructing you is to pray this on the front end. So pray this now. Don't wait till you've messed up again and again and again. Pray this on the front end. God, deliver me from this temptation. God, I know I can't drive by this place without stopping. God, I know I can't go down this aisle without looking. God, I know I can't do this without stealing, without lying, or whatever it may be. You know you. God knows you. God knows your heart. And so just pray, God. Help me, lead me away, deliver me from doing these things, from being tempted in the first place. Now let's look at the second part of verse 13. It says, deliver us from evil. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, in order to answer this question, we're actually gonna look back at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see how God delivered Israel from the burdens and slavery that they experienced in Egypt. Exodus 6, 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Now, we are really close to having drones deliver all of our packages and mails. I think this is actually a thing where Amazon maybe has some of these, and they're actually experienced at my house, but we're not quite there. It still requires an Amazon delivery person To deliver our packages. It still requires someone from the grocery store to deliver your online groceries. And so kind of think of it in this way. You can go and order these things, but they still have to physically be delivered by someone. And so as we pray to God, we're praying, lead us not into temptation. And then you're actually relying and leaning on God to then respond by delivering you. just like a package is delivered to you, that God would actually deliver you from evil. Now, the phrase translated evil in the original language can mean evil or it can mean the evil one, namely Satan. And so the best protection from sin and temptation is to turn to God and to depend on his direction. Remember, later on, it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And so we're turning to God or we're turning away from evil and, and coincide turning towards God to deliver us from evil. Now, the last two petitions in this prayer should probably be understood as the negative and positive aspects, where one is lead us not to temptation, the other being, but deliver us from evil. And so think of it like this. The sinner who is evil in the past, that would be all of us, by the way, has now been forgiven and it longs to be delivered from its tyranny in the future. In other words, we're gods. we know what it's like to be wrapped up in evil. We know what it's like to be wrapped up in sin. And so now that we have been forgiven, please deliver us from the bondage that that creates from our past. We no longer want to walk into that in the future because remember, we want to walk in paths of righteousness. And so here's what you are praying when you pray that prayer. God, would you protect me? And would you prevent me from walking through temptation and sin in the first place? And would you put me in your hands and do the work and all together deliver me from evil? Now, here's something to really important note. When you pray this prayer, regardless if you in temptation and sinning, and regardless if you avoid the temptation and sinning, when you pray this prayer, you are praying, if you're in Christ, if you are a Christian, you are praying a prayer from a place of forgiveness. That's good news. You're not praying this prayer to be forgiven in order to be made right with God, but you're already praying from a place of forgiveness. And so that answers the first question. Which leads us now to our second question, a critical, very critical question. Why does he want us to pray this prayer? Why does Jesus want us to pray this prayer? Jesus is basically assuming, if you're, he's instructing you that you are a disciple of his, that you are a follower of his, and that you're desiring to follow this Jesus creed or this Jesus ethic in your life, then you will want to, not naturally, but supernaturally, avoid temptation and sin. So if you're a Christian your desire should be to want to avoid temptation and sin. Now, the lack of sin in your life is not the primary evidence that you're not a Christian because we all still sin. All right, let me say that again in case you missed it. The lack of sin in your life is not the primary evidence that you are a Christian, okay? Some of you do a really good job making it look like you don't sin when you actually sin because we all still sin, okay? That's the reality, So then what is the primary evidence of being a Christian? The primary evidence of being a Christian is not that you never sin because you will and you do. The primary evidence of being a Christian is that you don't ever desire to sin and that you're grieved by your sin when you sin. So the primary evidence is you don't desire to sin. Now, some of you discover that the hard way, but you and I do not have the power to overcome sin and temptation ourselves. It's a really hard lesson for us to learn when we come in Christ. I think sometimes we think, man, now I'm following Jesus and I'm never going to sin again. And then when you do, when you fall flat on your face, you realize, wow, that hurt. That was really hard. But the reality is you don't have the power to overcome sin and temptation on your own. And if you attempt to fight evil and sin on your own, then you're going to fail every time. Now you might get away with it for a little while. You might put on a really good church front and make it look like you've never given in, but you are going to fail every single time on your own. And so here's the main idea and purpose of this sermon. Now that we're basically halfway into it, prayer, as we've been looking at for seven weeks now, is the key to access the power of God and deliverance against the enemy, against his schemes, against temptations that will come against you. And so prayer is the key. Okay. Imagine if someone gave you a kingdom, a palace, but they gave you no key. Now the only way to get in was through through a door. They had to have a key. You've got the key to avoid temptation. You've got the key that gives you the power. You've got the key that gives you deliverance and access to God Almighty, who can actually deliver you from the schemes of the devil, from temptation, from the sin, from the bondage, from slavery. And The key is in prayer in Jesus Christ himself. Now, this is a story you're likely familiar with in the Gospel of Mark, where the disciples are trying to cast out a demon, and they just can't cast it out And they're kind of at their wits' end. They're going, I I just can't do it. I don't know what to do. And then then what happens? Jesus enters the picture, okay? Those frustrating days in church planning, I'm like, Jesus, enter the picture because just like cast out the demon. I can't do it on my own. And so we're praying, Jesus, enter the picture. So Jesus enters this picture. This is in Mark chapter nine, verses 28 and 29. It says, and when he had entered the house, remember the disciples are frustrated because they can't cast out this demon. His disciples asked him privately. I can imagine him kind of come over. Jesus like, Hey, Jesus, come over here. We don't want to hear the other people. We don't want them to hear us talking. Like, Jesus, why can't we cast out this demon? We've been doing everything that you taught us to do. You know, we've been doing these things. We just can't cast it out. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus' responds to them, he says, This kind, talking about the demon, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This kind of demon cannot be driven by anything but prayer. And so it's likely that many of you tuning in this morning may feel as if you're experiencing defeat and failure against temptation and sin and time and time again, and you're wondering why, why God? Why do I keep giving in to temptations? Why do I keep sinning? Because you are fighting sin the wrong way. Picture this morning. It kind of hits us upside the head. Not that Jesus would do that, but it's like, hello, Matt, you're fighting it the wrong way. That's why you gave in. Hello, whoever it is. I don't want to call those names, but that's why you're, you feel like you're losing this battle because you're trying to fight it on your own and it never works. You've got to fight it with prayer. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. You might be fighting it with rigorous discipline, thinking, man, I'm just going to wield myself and beat my chest and pull up my bootstraps and fight against temptation and sin. You might be trying to fight it with rigorous accountability. And think, man, I'm going to meet with someone every day at these times when I know I'm tempted or I'm going to have someone speed dial. Or you might be fighting it with some kind of software on your computer. or You might be fighting temptations with rigorous willpower. Now, before you mishear me, none of those things are bad. It's not bad to have an accountability partner. In fact, it's a good thing. It's not bad to be disciplined. That's a good thing. It's not bad to have willpower and try to fight against things. That's going to be a good thing. But all those involve you all those involve your power, all those involve you and you alone. And if that is how you're fighting sin, if that is how you're fighting against temptation, eventually you will fail and you will fail often because it's leaving out this key access to the power of God by praying. First John 4.4 says, little children, you you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. but here's good news for those who oh uh, sorry, for those of us who are Christians, sons and daughters of God, we have the Holy Spirit within us, one who is greater than he who is in the world and the Holy Spirit, if we seek and pray, will deliver us from temptations. My friend and fellow pastor Matt Carter says it this way about this verse he says, praying, lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. It gives us access to the power of God. That is good news, church. We have power to the access of God by praying this prayer. And then second, he says, praying, lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. It moves the heart of God. Now, if you remember all the way back to the very first week when we looked at the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructs us at the very beginning to pray to our Father who is in heaven. Now, if that is true, if God is my father, and he is, there is nothing that moves a parent more quickly into action when one of their children are in trouble and their child appeals to them. So those of you who are parents, think about when your child gets in trouble and some kind of, not not like you're disciplining them, but you hear them scream for you and, or maybe you hear a fall and then they yell your name or they're crying, right? There's nothing that moves you into action more quickly. One of my kids fell down the steps the other day, just a couple of steps, thankfully they're okay. And it's just immediately, I just jumped into action. It was like, okay, in that moment, I don't care if I've got my computer or my phone or what it is, like, where are they? What's wrong with them? And so that's the natural response of a loving parent, a loving father, father or mother. You guys know my wife, Andrea. She's one of the kindest human beings that you could ever meet. She's sweet and lovely. And I don't see how anyone couldn't, couldn't love her. Bias, but she's, she's very kind. But if you mess with one of her boys, that includes me, but if you mess with one of her three boys, all of a sudden you're gonna see a totally different side of Andrea come out. All of a sudden you're gonna see mama bear Andrea come out in that moment. And her sole focus is to protect and defend her children from whatever it is that's threatening them, whatever it is that's attacking them. And as their father, I am the same way. If one of my my children are experiencing fear, I take them in, I pick them up, I love them and I care for them. Now my family had the opportunity to go to Disney world uh, last week. Most of you know that. And don't worry, it was social distance. And they check your temperature. And Disney's probably more careful than anywhere else in our country, aside from maybe the city of Portland. But what we quickly learned is that my boys are scared of roller coasters. Okay? We didn't know this prior to going. We just hopped on the ride and, and they're all screaming and we didn't realize it. And so they didn't really want to go on roller coasters. But they, at the end of the day, we really want to do one more family memory. Okay, And there's this ride called the Tower of Terror. Some of you have probably been on it. It's, um, it's supposed to look like an old hotel, and you go up in this elevator shaft, and it drops you 130 feet, okay? So 13 stories that you drop, but kids as young as my, my youngest, who's five, can actually go on this ride, and you're seeing all these different families go on it, and so we decided, let's go do this, and we, we said, you, you know, we convinced them, we went through the line, it took about an hour, we get on the ride, and I told my five-year-old, because he rode with me in the ride on the way up, I said, look, if you're afraid, I will hold you I will squeeze you tight the whole time so you know that you're in your father's arms who loves you. I won't let anything bad happen to you. And I also told him he was scared he could sleep with us that night. Please don't judge me in the first place for taking them on this ride. But in the end, he was terrified as it's called the Tower of Terror. So I guess it works. Please don't send me nasty emails. about taking him on that. But I held him. We actually have a picture where I'm holding him like this as we're dropping those 130 feet and he's screaming, I'm scared. So I, I gave him the the warmth and comfort of his father's love and protection. And he ended up sleeping with us in our bed that night because I like to be a father of my word. But it's in the same way that God's gonna love us and take care of us and protect us. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask them? So what this means if this is true, if this passage is true, if this verse is true, that there are some of you right now who are going through trials and temptations, and you don't have to. that You don't actually have to go through those things, but here's the key. You have to ask him. You have to ask him to deliver you from those things. So you might be experiencing a trial and temptation right now, and you're going, I don't know why I can't be delivered from it. You might be experiencing defeat in some area of your life, and some area of sin. And it's not because you're a bad Christian because the enemy will make you feel that way. The enemy's gonna pour on the guilt and the shame. That doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. But because it's not because we're bad Christians. It's because we're prayerless Christians because we're not seeking the Lord. We're trying to fight in this life on our own. That's I mean, in some ways, that's stupidity. I'm not calling a stupid, but to go into battle without a sword, to go into battle without our armor, to go into battle without seeking our heavenly Father, I've told you guys throughout this whole series within a series that I feel like prayer is one of the areas I need to grow in the most. And here we are, we found ourselves in this really difficult city and I feel like I have a target on my back as a pastor and a church planter. But oftentimes because I'm a doer, I forget to pray. And this week as I'm looking at this pastor, I'm like, Matt, here it is again. It just kind of smacks me in the face and says, don't be a prayerless Christian. You're fighting these battles sometimes that you don't have to fight because you're simply being prayerless. So it says, lead us not to temptation. This doesn't imply that that we're never going to be tempted because we will be. God's spirit has already done both of these things in Jesus. He's already delivered us from temptation. He's already delivered us from evil. And so when we give in, who do we have to blame? Ourselves. Now, God does allow us to be tested, okay? Something we may not fully understand, but he allows us to be tested. Why? Because it brings us into maturity. Such tests should not be feared, nor should we pray for God to withhold them. And so if you're like me, and after I've given in and and sinned in some areas, I end up praying. God, I'm sorry, forgive me. God, I gave in again. But we have to get to the place, church, where we flip it, where we pray before the temptation ever comes in our lives and pray, God, give me the power and strength and deliver me from this error that I know I'm going to be tempted. I know when it's going to happen. I know how it's going to happen. God, please deliver me from this. And pray that in the moment where you're not feeling tempted. Don't wait till it's too late. And our third and final question, and we'll wrap it up this morning, is what happens when we pray this prayer and God doesn't answer this prayer? So what happens when you pray this prayer that we've been looking at, because maybe you've been tracking with me all morning, but but you might be sitting there thinking, but what happens when God doesn't answer this prayer? What we are doing whenever we pray this prayer is we are expressing our dependence upon God. Ultimately, our expression depends upon God in every area of human life. But there are times when God doesn't answer this prayer. Think of it like this: my my kids love snack time at my house, especially during the quarantine. Snack time is about three o'clock every single afternoon, and they love to get cookies and a yogurt cup, sometimes something else. But what they will do is they'll sit down, and they'll eat, and they'll leave crumbs everywhere. Whether it was a piece of some kind of coffee cake or a cookie, and there's crumbs everywhere. There's the, the lids from the yogurt cup with yogurt on the table. they are dirty spoons, a little bit of yogurt left in the cup. And they'll just they'll get up from the table and they'll just leave. They'll eat it all. They'll get their fill and they'll be outside or be down in the basement playing. Now, sometimes I'll go behind my boys because we're not slobs in our house. I don't want ants and I'll pick it up. I'll, I'll wipe up the crumbs and throw them out. I'll get the yogurt cups and recycle them and throw out the lids and then I'll wipe down the table. So it looks all fresh and clean and sweep up the floor because there's crumbs on the floor. But other times I like, I'll let it sit there. And I'll call my boys back, you know, call up from the basement or call them from outside and say, hey guys, come here. And I'll allow them to see their mess that's before them, before removing it, each piece one at a time. Sometimes I want them to come and look before they touch anything. I want them to see, because I want them to feel the disgust that it could cause. That yeah, it might just be a dirty snap, but if, what if we just left it like that day in and day out? Just imagine how our our house would look. I know some of you when you were single, it probably looked like that when you were in college. I had a roommate one time and he didn't wash his sheets for six months, okay? If you're tuning in this morning, Andrew, I love you. For six months, he didn't wash his sheets one time. Um, I'm sure now that he's married that he probably washes sheets a lot more often than that. But I sell you that silly example because this is exactly how God works with us. Sometimes God can come in with our temptation, our sins, and he he can remove it in one swoop. I know people who are that way. My father, prior to being a Christian, he struggled with alcoholism. And when he became a Christian overnight, he lost his desire and appetite to ever have alcohol again. That doesn't mean that alcohol in and of itself is a sin, but for my father, it would be to cross into that line. And so for him just to smell it kind of makes him want to vomit. And so it was just one swoop, just God kind of came in and removed that from his life. But other times, God's a little bit slower. He, he allows there to be a process with a temptation and a It causes this this hatred and disgust to come into our lives that wouldn't be there otherwise. And so some of you experienced that and some of you experienced how my father did. So God works both ways. Sometimes it's in one swoop and it's overnight and we pray that and we've seen that happen. And other times it's a slow thing that you just say, man, I carried that from my old life. And even though I'm, I'm new in Christ and a new uh, born again, I still struggle with that thing from my past. But every time that you'll remember that thing, that God removes it slowly from you, is remember the fight. Remember the guilt and shame how you felt last time. Allow that to sink in. And that process eventually will keep you from ever walking through it again. And so listen up, church. We're almost done. If you are a child of God and you are praying for God to deliver you from sin and he isn't doing it, that isn't a sign that God has given up on you. He can't do that. He can never give up on you if you're his child. So let me say that again. If you are a child of God, and you are praying that God will deliver you from sin, and he is not doing it, it is not because God has given up on you, because that's not possible as a child of his. What it is, it is not a sign that God's given up on you if you can't get rid of sin in your life. It's actually quite the opposite. If you are a child of God, and he hasn't delivered you, it isn't because he's given up on you. It simply means that he is still working on you. And so he is going about this process of making you look more and more like Jesus every single day. And when he does deliver you, and when he ultimately creates that deliverance from that temptation, from that sin, he will create such a disgust for that in your life that you'll never want to return to it again. And here's the good news is that you're going to look more like Jesus in the process. And there may be no other way for you to look that way, other than to go through the pain of that trials and that temptation so as we conclude this morning, church, is there an area of your life where you need to pray this prayer? Is there an area of your life where you need to pray this prayer? Maybe there's an addiction in your life. Maybe there's a recurring sin. Maybe it's a really big one. Maybe it's a really small one. Maybe it's a secret sin and no one else knows. And you just say, man, if anybody knew, they wouldn't even want to talk to me. Or, Or maybe there's no sin in your life right now, but you're at this crossroads of temptation and you can go towards a path of righteousness or a path of destruction. And you're kind of riding on that cusp of that crossroads, and you're just struggling, and you don't know ultimately where it's going to fall. If that's you, regardless where you are this morning, and if you're like me and you're struggling, the simple thing we learned today is that we want to be a people of prayer because we have the key, the access to a God who can deliver us from our own temptation and sin in our lives. And so, church, keep praying, keep fighting, keep trusting God that He will deliver you, and when He does the good news is you're going to look more and more like his son, Jesus, as you start to radiate the sun in your life. And so let me finish this morning to that end. Let me pray that God would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray with me, church. God, we come to you this morning, and thank you for another weekend that we can gather. God, I think about seven weeks we've had just looking at the Lord's Prayer verse by verse, and God, just how it's impacted my own prayer life and informed how it is that I pray. God, I ask that specifically as we look at this passage this week, God, that you would lead us not into temptation. God, that you would allow us to never cross the path of those temptations in our lives. But God, when we do, that you would deliver us from evil. God, that you would create in us um, that we would we reflect your son. God, that we would be strong and that we would be people who don't give into temptation and that we don't succumb to the, the ways of the world. And God, that we don't compromise on your truths but God, that we seek you and that we go towards a path of righteousness. But God, in those times when we do give in to temptation and that we do sin, that we would resist the guilt and the shame that comes from the enemy. By God, that we would run to you in the midst of our fear and failure. God, because we would remember that you look at us with the eyes of your son and we are forgiven in him. It's in your name, by your power we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.